um, today's daf is Tet in Yoma, and uh, we're getting into Agadot about the uh, Bet Hamikdash. Interesting uh, Agadot. Uh, we are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines from the top of the Amud of Tet Amud Aleph. Amar Abba Barbachana, Amar Biyochanan. My dichdiv Yirat Hashem Tosif Yamim. It says the fear of Hashem will increase the number of a person's days. Ushnot Shayim Tiktona, but the years of the uh, of the wicked are going to be shortened. What does that mean? Yirat Hashem Tosif Yamim Zemikdash Rishon Shemad Abal Meot Veeser Shanim Veloshim Shubo Ella. And according to the according to the Grad should be Shneim Asar Kohanim Dolim. According to what we have, it's Yud Chet Kohanim Dolim. Either way, the point is. That even though it existed for 410 years, there were only a small number of Kohanim Dolim that served in the first Beit HaMikdash. Only 12 or 18 Kohanim Dolim over centuries. Meaning, basically, it was a lifetime appointment. It was like they, they were there. They were, for, they were there for... Yeah, they were, but the, the, the Gra is 12, and usually he's, uh, usually he's the most accurate. But the, the, the point is that over 410 years, to have 12 Kohanim Dolim, so that's, that's a very small number. Uh, you know, that's a lifetime, lifetime term. Uh, meaning that they were your Eshavayim for the most part. But, uh, so that, but, Ushnot Shayim Tiktona, what's the, the shortness of the life of the wicked? But the Beta Mikdash Sheni stood for 420 years, a little bit longer, but still, 300, more than 300 Kohanim served in that uh, time. Now you might say, well, that's, le- that's, le- that's better than one per year. Maybe that's not so bad, but it's not true. Because, mm-hmm. you have 40 years of Shimon HaTzadik, 80 years of Yohanan Kohen Gadol served, as Shemesh Yishmael Ben Pavi, there was, Yishmael Ben Pavi had uh, 10 years. Um, so already you're, you're, you know, you're getting up to 140 years of, uh, or 130 years of, um, uh, of continuous service. And some say, Yud Aleph Shemesh Rabbi Elazar Ben Chasom. So you're already dealing with uh, 140 years plus that were dominated by a few individual personalities. So that leaves you just with, uh, you know, with and, and still to have 300 Kohanim Gdolim in less than 300 years. Because that, but now you already have subtracted 140 of the years uh, off of the calculation. Mm-hmm. So uh, that shows you that each one didn't even make it a year. So it was a very temporary, uh, very, he, he, it was like uh, a member of the White House uh, cabinet or something like that. They don't, they don't make it through the year. Right? Right? There's so much. Uh, people would come give up their life just to go for a year? Not even. Yeah, not even not a year. Even? Who knows? Yeah, I guess so. But I, I, no, I'm, I'm sure that it's like the same story that they say about Korach. Just like Korach believed he wasn't going to make it out alive. Everyone believes, oh, I'm not really that bad, you know. Yeah, they thought that they'd make it, obviously. They wouldn't have gone. Anyway. That's what they say, but what What did you say? Can't be. It says there's a goat about here, by the way. Can't be. The what? Died and going into the Because it, it doesn't equal the number of years. It'll be, it'll be exactly one year each. Right. It, it wasn't exactly. It wasn't exactly. What does he say? Right. Because he was not Right. They were. They were. They were competing, and they were bribing. Whoever bribed the most, he got the position. Yeah. The Anai Malka. Right. 
Yeah. Right, so he even did it better than someone else. Yeah. It was like it was, it was like, yeah, it was like he gave it someone else. It, was, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't for himself. He gave it to uh, to someone else. But yeah, they, they have all these stories about they would buy it with money. But it's it's known. I mean, by, but in the in, in the Bet the second Bet the was a business. You uh, you you it went for money. So anyway, um, and. Um, so that yeah, so that part that the Bach puts in is the that excerpt would be inserted there. Um, but now it's so what was the reason why Shiloh was destroyed? Shiloh is going all the way back to the times of Bnei Eli, the times of the beginning of the Book of Shmuel is the destruction of Shiloh. We're going way back. There were two things: there was Gilui Arayot, sexual immorality, and there was Bizyon Kodashim, there was disgracing of the uh, of the korbanot. Uh, both done by the Bnei Eli of the time, right? Now, they, that Eli was very old and he heard that what his sons were doing to the Jewish people and how they were lying with the women who were, sta- who were uh, standing outside the Oil Moed. Now, that's the literal meaning of the Pasuk, that they were actually engaged in, uh, uh, in uh, immorality with the, uh, with the women who were outside the uh, the Beit HaMikdash, Gav, even though, even though we say in Masachet Shabbat, one opinion says that they didn't really do that. They didn't really sleep with the women who were uh, waiting for them outside the uh, the Oil Moed. That's not the, that, that wasn't literally what they did. And somebody who says that is making a mistake, but still, mitok shaot kinehen, miha, ma'ale alehen katuv. That since they kept them waiting from their husbands and they had to go late, in other words, the reason seems be, to be because they wanted to put the, they were really into meat eating. They were real, you know, like uh, macho guys. They always, yeah, they want to come up. So they, so that, so somebody brings a little bird. There's not very much. First of all, one is an ola. One is that, let's say the, the chatat, you know, it's a small uh, thing. They didn't want to, they didn't want to put them first. They put them last. So they'd be waiting around. They didn't go back to their husband. Maybe they had to camp out overnight for the next day, like people do for Black Friday. You know, they camp outside, they get in, so they, so therefore they're away from their husbands, and so what happens is that uh, they're, they're held away from their husbands, so that was like ki'ilu, as if they had a relationship with them, but the point is that they, that's the gilui arayot, that even if you're going to say that li- they didn't literally engage in gilui arayot, but they were involved in the intimate lives of these married women in ways that they should not be, and then bezion kodashim, the korbanot, ikhtiv, and now here quotes pasuk, this is the pasuk that they would go and they would take the, the meat too early, gam beterm so they would send their henchmen while the people before the people even the korban was completed. They would go to get the while they were, where they hadn't even burnt the fats yet. It was said, "Give me the meat for the kohen." He wanted he would come early. He said, "I don't want to wait for you to cook it. I want to take it raw." And the person would say to him. Look, wait till the meat is, at least, you know, the korban is finished before you take the meat. If you don't give it to me free, with your free will, I'm going to take it by force. So they were bullying the people. And it says, That the, the sin of Bnei Eli was very great in the eyes of Hashem, because basically they were disgracing the korbanot. They were making it look like... Uh, uh, 
They were making it into some mafia situation where they were, you know, they were shaking people down. They wanted more meat. They wanted it now. They didn't want to even wait for the korban to be completed before they took the meat. And so this was a terrible chilul Hashem that they did. That was the second reason for Shiloh uh, being destroyed. And now it goes on to Mikdash Rishon Nemachrev. What was the reason why the Beit Mikdash Rishon, the first Beit Mikdash, was destroyed? The Gimel Varim. Now this is very famous. One was idolatry, sexual immorality, and bloodshed, murder. So where do we get the idea that there was Avodah I mean, I don't really think that you need to have a source that there was Avodah during the first Beit HaMikdash. It's like all over the Tanakh. But yeah, but uh, still it quotes a pasuk for that. It means that the the bread, bedspread was too small to spread out. My katsar matzah misterea. What does that mean? That it was too so, small to spread out? I'm Rabbi Yonatan. Katsar matzah zem misterea alav shnei reim kechad. That this bedspread is too small for two friends to be on it at once. Meaning to say that, they, that like they used to, like they, they used to say in the old Western movies, this town ain't big enough for the for the both of us. You know? Yeah. So like meaning you can't have two masters. You can't have a the, you can't have the Beit Hamikdash serving Hashem, and also at the same time the idolatry. It's not tolerable. So meaning that it was uh, the people wanted to have their cake and eat it too and be worshiping Hashem and also the idolatry. Vehamasecha and and that's and that that's the next the that the end of the pasuk is vehamasecha tzarab hitkanes. Uh, the Masechat Zakbit Kanes, literally, it refers to the uh, covering of the bed. The, 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 you know, the, that, uh, the mattress is the first thing, and the covering of the bed, meaning the blanket, was not <laughs> large enough to get under it. Mid Kanes means like they couldn't like, squeeze under the blanket. It wasn't big enough. That's the literal meaning, but it's saying the Masecha is a tzara. The Masecha, the idol, is becoming an opponent of God. A tzara is like... A, like a competitor with God, right? When Rabbi Yonatan would come to this pasuk, he would cry. Because this mehit kanes, right? The word kanes, that Hashem gathers the waters together. And now what opponent did you give him? What, uh, what competitor does he have? A, a, an, an, an idol is, the, is, the, is a competitor against Hashem? How could it be? What a terrible tragedy that the, that the Jewish people would think that way. What, is, what about sexual immorality? And this is Again, a pasuk. It's quoting a lot of pasukim here, and it quotes the long f- version of the pasuk too. Um, this is from Yeshayahu in the beginning. That uh, that Hashem said, Hashem, yan ki that the daughters of Zion would walk with stretched out necks, and peering eyes, they would walk in a kind of a dainty way, and they would make a literally what it means is they would make like a jingling sound, like they would have like uh, jewels or whatever around their uh, ankles that would make a uh, would make a sound. Um, but uh, the, the, the way the Gemara is going to interpret it is yan ki the Benotzion have gone to, are too high in themselves. What they would do was the tall girl would get a short girl to walk next to her so she looked even taller. You know, they would stand out that way. They would always, you know, and they would walk with a stretched out neck. They would stand very proudly when they would walk. Their eyes were going around. They would put a lot of makeup on their eyes to attract attention. They would walk in a certain like kind of a uh, way that would attract attention. Right? They would walk so that their uh, so that their heel touched their um, uh, touched their toe. In other words, they walked very slowly. They walked very daintily and slowly, so everybody would get to see them. They didn't walk quickly because they wanted everyone to look at them. And it says that the way that they interpret the legs making. Something, some kind of thing. It sounds like the pshat of it seems like it means that it would make sound. They would make a, you know, try to attract attention by putting like a, a ankle bracelets or whatever. But I'm going to be 
what they would do is they would put um, good smelling perfume in their shoes. When they would get next to the guys, that they would make a, a good smell. They would kick with their feet and then the smell would come and the, and the Yetzirah would go into the men. Just like the uh, venom that is in a, uh, that is in a, uh, a, 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 What's it called? A snake, like a serpent. Yeah. So the, the it's a type of a serpent or viper or something like that. But the idea is that they would try, they would go out of their way to try to attract. Now, obviously, if it's talking about people going on shiduchim, that would be okay. We're not talking about that. We're talking about inappropriate relationships that weren't supposed to be happening. That says explicitly in the pasuk, the king Menashe, in addition to trying to obliterate Judaism from uh, Israel, also tried to. Uh, also tried to uh, also murdered anybody, anyone, and anyone you know everyone who stood up against him and anyone he didn't like. There was tons of innocent blood spread there, uh, spilled in in Israel under the leadership of Menashe, who unfortunately was the king for a really long time. Ad uh, Asher um, uh, until the point that um, Yerushalayim was full. Like from one end to the other, there was blood. Meaning, obviously, that's a metaphor, but the idea is that there was a lot of bloodshed. Mm-hmm. In uh, or during his time, and because of that, uh, uh, he was punished. No, Pelopez Hebrew. They use it all the time. Yeah, from one side to the other. Yeah, in in now this section, the Bach actually switches around the order, but it's confusing to follow that. So I'm just going to follow how it's written here. It still it still flows. It's just that he's he, it, we'll see. What was the reason why the second Beit Hamikdash was destroyed? Since they were learning Torah and they were doing mitzvot and they were being kind. So what happened? As we know, there was sinat chinam. That you see from that that the hatred, the baseless hatred, is just as bad as all three of the cardinal sins of Judaism of idolatry and immorality and murder put together because uh, because you uh, you see that Sinat Chinam was enough to destroy the Beit Hamikdash, even though the people were learning Torah and they were nobody was worshiping idols in the second Beit Hamikdash, and other Jews were doing that. Now Now this is going back to the first Beit Hamikdash, which is why the Bach reorders the page and puts this before and puts the thing that we just read after because it's going back to the first Beit Hamikdash that they were wicked in the times of the first Beit Hamikdash. But ironically, they believed in Hashem very. They believed God was going to save them. They just were bad. They were bad, but they believed God was going to save them. Atal the Mikdash Rishon. That's talking about the Beit Hamikdash Rishon. Dichtiv Rashiya b'Shochal Yishpoto Uchanev Mchiriyahu Unaviyeh B'Kesef Iksomo. It says that the people who were the leaders would judge based on bribes, and the Kohanim would teach. They would give you the halachic answer that you wanted based on money, right? And meaning, if you your rule means they would teach whatever ruling, you know. So the guy would come and say, they would say, "Is my meat kosher?" Like, imagine. I'm sure. I'm, unfortunately, it probably happens today too. But you know, especially in the kashrut industry, there's a lot of money changing hands and things like that. It says, "Oh, you know, is if they you, you will say this is kosher, I give you." The, who knows what happens? But uh, the idea is that they would do that. They would take money for different things and unaviyeb akesafiksomo. And the prophets would also uh, be for hire because we know that. We know that they had false Nevi'im all the time and they were, uh, you know, they would say whatever the administration wanted to hear. But they still trusted in Hashem. They said, Hashem is not going to punish us because uh, Hashem is with us. So that's the irony of it, that they didn't see a contradiction between the, uh, what? Denial. 
Right, they didn't see a contradiction. It's like today, there are many people, they might not be religious, but they, I believe in Hashem, Hashem is going to protect me, you know, and even if they don't do what they're supposed to do, they still think that Hashem is going to be with them. There's a, there's a Gemara that says, uh, uh, there's a Gemara that says that the thief that breaks into someone's house at night, he prays right. to Hashem, please, I don't want to be caught. What, why are you praying to Hashem? You're trying, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Anyway, so what does it say? It says, therefore, since they did these three sins, there were three punishments. This is a famous pasuk. Also, Zion will be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem will be like a ruin, and uh, the uh, Temple Mount will be like a forest, like an um, area in the forest. Are you telling me that there was no hatred in Beit HaMikdash Rishon? Everybody back then loved each other? You know, it was a kumbaya time of Beit HaMikdash Rishon? What do you mean? That says in the pasuk that no, they, that's not true. That uh, we see that um, that there was there was conflict back then as well. Yeah. So uh, so how could you say that says migure el cherev hayu etami? So that saying that they would uh, uh, that they uh, where was I hayu etami lachen sefok el yarech right? That's a, so it's um, so and what is the how does he explain how that pasuk that part of the pasuk relates to it? Yeah. How does that part of the pasuk relate to the story? He's saying that that's referring to the conflict between the people? Oh, I see. It goes on. But I'm a Rabbi, it's supposed to be Elazar instead of Eliezer. Is that what it is? Yeah. Elazar. yeah. That it's saying the people were, uh, were, were, had the sword turned against each other. means that therefore I, I slap my knee, meaning therefore I'm very upset. It's, it's an expression of mourning usually, right? Of upsetness. But it's saying they were, they were bringing the sword against each other. So it says, they would eat and drink that even though they didn't, they, you know, they would eat and drink together, but with their tongues, they stabbed each other. Being a bad Matthew behind your back, you would be a, yeah, you would get along, you would be eating and drinking, you would have the person, you'd be, and the next second, he's backstabbing you. you know? so, 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 but the, so, so you see that Sinat Chinam, so what's the what's the difference between Bait Shini and Bait Rishon? There's a, that's also Sinat Chinam that they're talking badly about each other, bad mouthing each other. So it says no. Then in the times of Bait Rishon, it wasn't an, a problem of the populace. It was a problem only among the leaders that they were bad mouthing each other. Right? They were the leaders, they're not necessarily rabbis, because I think it's talking about political leaders. But it says, uh, uh, and back then there was a distinction between the two. Dichtiv, as it says in the pasuk, Zeak vehelel ben Adam. Cry out, Ben Adam, about what's going on. Cry out, human being. That this has happened in our, in our, among my people. This kind of like hatred for each other. And it says in the right, Ben Adam, human being, person, cry out. Maybe you mean it's happened to everyone. No, Talmud Lomar. He, uh, that's why it says he bechol Yisrael. That's the beginning of the pasuk. It only gave us half of the pasuk before, right? It's saying that that, that bringing of the sword against each other was only among Nisiei Yisrael. It was only among the princes of Israel. Uh, meaning that the people who were who wanted power, who were trying to were trying to badmouth each other, and uh, and and basically like uh, like yeah, they were playing politics. They were trying to ruin each other's reputation in order to get more influence, more power, and so therefore should craft that. But but in the times of Bait Sheni, it was a social issue of cliques and and hatred and all of that. In the times of the Bait Rishon, it was only politics that they were doing that. Not that that's good, but it was it wasn't all through the population. Rabbi Yochanan. 
Elazar said that the the early the first bet Mikdash since Nitgala Avonam since it was explicit in the Navi what their sin was so also Nitgala Kitzam the end of the Galut was also explicit it was only seventy years but the uh, the later bet the second bet Mikdash was destroyed and it, it was was never explicitly said what the sin was we just have a tradition of a sin atchinam but it's not explicitly said so we don't also explicitly right oh that too yeah that 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 could be too yeah it was inner it was inner Inside, it wasn't open, right? Right, so that's what the Rashi says, actually. Right, he says, um, he brings, uh, right, they were hidden. Meaning that they didn't show, they weren't open about their hatred of each other. It was hidden. So therefore, also the redemption is hidden. But the idea is the same thing. I mean, really, mm-hmm. that in the case of the Bayit Rishon, it was open what people were doing. It was wrong. And the Navi castigates them for it. And second, by Cheni, it's something that was underneath the surface. Nobody got up and said everyone is, uh, hate, hates each other. It was something that was inside. And therefore, they, we don't know when the when Galut is going to end. The fingernails. Uh, uh, of the uh, uh, of the earlier generation, mikresanshachonim is better than the stomach of the later one. Meaning, my a fingernail is like the most inconsequential thing. So it's saying that the, the even the the smallest bit of the uh, of the early generation is better than the later generation. We're inferior to them. says, "What are you talking about? The later generation is better because even though we are under foreign rule, but at least there's learning of Torah going on. How could you say there's not learning of Torah going on?" The proof is the Beit HaMikdash. If we were so great, the early generation with all of its flaws had the Zechut to get the Beit HaMikdash back and we didn't get, have that Zechut. So we're obviously not that great. So don't pat yourself on the back so much. They asked Rabbi Lazar, Who's better, the earlier people or the later? Take a look at the Beit HaMikdash and that's your proof that the earlier generation was better. That the, your, your, te, your testimony, your, your, your witness is the uh, is the Beit Hamikdash, and that's the idea. Is that as great as we think we are, and all the advances that have been made? If we don't have the Beit Hamikdash, that shows that we're not there yet. Now, and that even though the people on the previous generations might have seemed in many ways flawed compared to today, all the intermarriage they had and all these things, but uh, but in, uh, there was enough of a zechut that they had the Beit Hamikdash back. Now, Reish Lakish One time, Reish Lakish was taking a bath in the Yarden. and Rabbi came over and Yavle Yada. He gave him his hand, in other words, to help him out of the water because they didn't have like one of those things that you. Uh, that you walk up, you know, uh, like a little stairwell. He needed, uh, he needed help. So he offered his hand. And Rish Lakish was not very gracious to him. He said, By God, I hate you people, you Babylonians. I can't stand you. Why? Why would you say such a thing? Because it says in the Pasuk, That's from Shira right? It says, If she is a wall, I will build a turret of silver on her. And if she's a, uh, a door, I will build a, uh, like a, um, a board of, uh, of, of, uh, cedar wood, right? So, if all of you Babylonians had not been wimps and you would come up to, during the times of the second Beit HaMikdash like a wall, meaning if you had been united, like a wall and come up, then Hashem would have built the second Beit HaMikdash like Tirat Kesef, like as if it were, as a silver that doesn't rot. Okay? But you came up like doors, meaning you only came up part way. Doors open, you know, doors are, are, are not as strong. Um, 
Uh, like, it, you know, there are two doors. One's open, one is closed. I mean, you came up halfway. You didn't do the complete job when coming up for, uh, uh, to the second bit of the Mikdash. So therefore, you are like wood, where rot can get in. My Erez, what does it mean, Erez? Now, it's, it's saying not what is cedar. Everyone knows what that is. Meaning, why are you comparing them to cedar wood? Amar Ula Sasmigur. He says, Sasmigur. What does that mean, Sasmigur? It's the name of a... Uh, of a uh, a worm that gets into it, meaning the worm will get in. And my sasmigur, why are you comparing it to a worm? Because Amarabiaba batkol. What it means is a worm eats away and leaves just a little bit of whatever's left, right? So uh, it eats away, and then there's something something remains. So he's saying in the same way, the uh, the, the second bet Mikdash lost the shechina. They didn't have the presence of the sh- of the divine presence anymore, but they had batkol. They had the divine voice. Sometimes it says a batkol said this, a batkol said that. They had some like echo of divine presence, but very limited because they didn't come up fully for the second Beit HaMikdash. It was only partial aliyah at that time. As it says When the last three Nevi'im died, and Chagai, so the, the divine inspiration left me, Israel. But they still had the Batkol, they still had a divine voice from time to time that would say one thing or another, but they didn't have full uh, full nevuah anymore, it wasted away. So it's very interesting that that's what he's focused on. In other words, he's, uh, aside from the fact that the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, he's saying that if the Shekhinah had been fully expressed in the second Beit HaMikdash and they had nevuah was maintained in the second Beit HaMikdash, he's saying that that would have kept them, uh, kept it alive. He's saying that he's connecting the idea of the lack of, of uh, nevuah to the eventual loss of the Beit HaMikdash. Now the question is, Varish Lakish. In what? That's only according to one opinion, but everyone else says that you do. So the reason why halachas kebetilel is because we because of batkol. Now, now it says velo. But what about Reish Lakish? Reish Lakish mimish ta'eba hadei Rabba Barachana. Would Reish Lakish even talk to Rabba Barachana? He was very selective, Reish Lakish, in his conversational partners. Umai, Umar Rabbi, and what should say Elazar again, right? My Rabbi Elazar, Timaradar, the Israel Hava, Velo Hava Mishtei Reish Lakish Bade. Reish Lakish would not strike up a conversation even with Rabbi Elazar, who was the chief rabbi of Israel at the time, basically. Demand the Mishtei Reish Lakish Bade, because if you, if Reish Lakish had a conversation with you in public, okay, Bashuk, Yavule Iska Belo Sade, people would give him money or business without, t- without witnesses. In other words, anybody that Reish Lakish would, would socialize with, people would say, oh, well, if Reish Lakish will socialize with that person, they must be a good person. They must be, have integrity. I could, I could, yeah, I could give them money. I could, give, I could trust them. I don't need wet witnesses. I don't need any signing. You don't know. Maybe he's just saying hello to the guy. No, they're going to think. Right? It's like nowadays they see somebody in a picture with some guy. Oh, he must endorse him because he was in a picture with this guy. He must be good. Whatever people think. They always want to get photo ops with these important people. And they could say, you know, like rabbis who come to collect tzedakah, they say, look, I have a picture of myself with this other big rabbi. Obviously, that means I'm legitimate and you should give me money or whatever. You know, people use that to show that they have credibility. Okay? So, they, so in the same way, if somebody would see Rish Lakish talking to somebody, they would say, oh, that guy must be great. He's the Rish Lakish strikes up a conversation with you. It's not a small thing. <laughs> so it says, no. Um, so how would he talk? How could he talk? So if you wouldn't even talk to Rabbi Elazar, who was a very high, uh, you know, uh, status of uh, chief rabbi of Eretz Israel at the time, how could he talk to Rabbi Barachana? We have to amend the story because oh, Reish Lakish hava v'ziri. Either it was Reish Lakish talking to Ziri in that case, it would be a more somebody more on the level of Reish Lakish that he would have talked to. Oh, Rabbi Barachana hava Rabbi Elazar, or it was Rabbi Barachana talking to Rabbi Elazar, but it can't be that Reish Lakish talked to Rabbi Barachana because he wouldn't be in his league to be able to 
let's talk to him. Very interesting. But when finally Rish Lakish had a conversation with Rabbi Yochanan, his Chavruta, Amarle, he said to him, he said, that's not the reason why the... Um, why there wasn't a full expression of Shekhinah in the second Bet HaMikdash. It wasn't only because the people didn't come up uh, altogether. Even if they had all come, there wouldn't have been in the Bet HaMikdash, the second Bet HaMikdash, a full expression of the Divine Presence. Because because it says, Hashem should expand Yefet. Yefet is, of course, one of the sons of Noach. But he will dwell only in the tent of Shem. Meaning, even though the Persians had the Zichut, as Rashi says, to have the Bet HaMikdash built under their auspices, and they, they, you know, they supported, they allowed and supported the um, the Bet Hamikdash existing in the uh, during their time. But only a building that's constructed by the Jews on their own, without the uh, assistance of uh, other countries, other nations, like Shlomo Amelech uh, financed it one hundred percent on his own. Only that is going to have the full expression of the Shekhinah. So the question is, how do you know that the Persians come from Yefet? Where does it say that the Persians come from? Yefet? It doesn't. Paras is not one of the countries that's listed in the Luach Ha'amim in the uh, table of nations in uh, in in Parshat Noach. It's not one of the nations that existed then. It probably evolved out of one of these other nations. So where do you see uh, where do you see that in um, in the Torah? So it says Dichtiv Yefet Gomer Umagog These are this is a list of the people who came from Yefet, right? So Gomer ze Germamia. Magog zo Canada. I don't think it's Germany and it's Canada, but uh, you know, de- but it's uh, there was definitely no Canada back then. Um, yeah, Madai zo Macedonia. So that's Macedonia. Yavan kemashmao tuval ze bet unyaki mezech zo musia. Okay, so all of these are places that we today don't even know, but they're referring to places that they knew. Tiras is not corn, but Peligiba Rabbi Simai v'Rabanan Rabbi Simai and the rabbis. Argued about it. Some say it's Rabbi Simon and the rabbis. One of them said that was Paras. So you see that one opinion is that the Tiras that's there, it's not Tiras because Tiras is corn, but Tiras is, uh, is Persia. Now, Tadir Rav Yosef, Tiras, Zo Paras. Yeah, they're saying that that means Persia. 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 Yeah. Right. Tadir Rav Yosef, Sakistan, Gavyata, Sakistan, Baryata. There's a place called Sakistan, the outer and the inner Sakistan. It sounds like uh, Af- Afghanistan. Or, or, you know, I don't know. Ben Chadal Chadam, Mea Parse. Between the two were a thousand parsa. Uh, and the uh, circumference was a thousand parts, so it was a, it was a large place. It's talking about Nimrod, right? Um, that the, the beginning of his kingdom was uh, in Bavel. Right? So, what are these different places? Bavel, Kimashma, we know what Bavel is, right? Erech zo arichut. Okay, akad ze bashkar. Akad is like Acadia. We know what that is now, but I guess bashkar was the name that they called it back then. Chalneze nufar or nofar. Okay, nofar ninfi must be a place that they existed in that time. In other words, they're identifying the geographical locations that they knew. Um, corresponded to what is mentioned in the Psukim at that time. But the point is that according to Rav Yosef, this is Persia, and Persia comes from Yefet, and therefore the Yaft Elohim Li Yefet is a blessing that the Persians had the Zechut to have the Bet HaMikdash, the second Bet HaMikdash, built uh, during their time. But Vishkon Ba'ul but the final expression of the Shekhinah will only be in a purely Jewish 
Beit Hamikdash, which would be financed internally and not something that was you know was supported or enabled by external agents. So therefore, the second Beit Hamikdash, according to Rabbi Yochanan, that's the machlok at Rish Lakish is saying if the entire Jewish people had come up during the second Beit Hamikdash, it would have been a hundred percent like that would have been the end. That would have been the redemption. According to Rabbi Yochanan, you still would have the problem that it was under the thumb of Persia. It would have had to be an independent project that they were able to do on their own in order to have the zechut of the full expression of the divine presence.